They called us monsters, so monsters we became. We are monsters out of the closet. I'm Nicole. I'm Thara. And I'm Shreya. Jekyll and Hyde. A werewolf in the full moon's light. A masked murderer who cheerfully greets their co-workers on Monday morning. Horror is littered with stories about duality. Are you human or monster? Are you willing to grapple with the bloodier aspects of yourself? Would you win that duel? In this Halloween special, we glimpse a world filled with blood-binding, divine relics, soul twins, and a battle between good and evil. Shadow of a Knife was written by C.M. DiGirolamo and performed by VXN, Kaz Volchev, Nicole Penrod, Bryce Dolly, Lucille Valentine, Ari Ryder, and J.M. Dow. Please note, Shadow of a Knife is a mature piece intended for adult audiences and contains gore, explicit sex, incestuous undertones, and content that may trigger those with bottom dysphoria. Check our episode description for the timestamp if you would like to avoid the majority of that content. Stay safe out there. The glow of the nightlight filtered up between the legs and slats of the child-sized table and chairs, warping Dad's shadow into a frog-like scrunch on the wall. Dad loomed over the bed, his long overcoat fading into the darkness, chilly pushed down, shadowing his eyes. The scar that crossed his face from cheek to cheek was the only smile he wore. It was time. Addison. Proud. Addison struggled out of the clasp of the blankets. Ava's hands clutched at her shoulders, but Addison shook her off, ugliness bawling in her stomach. This was her chance. Ava wouldn't hold her back. Bare feet on the chilly floor, she followed Dad. She didn't look back, even when a shadow flickered across the wall of their bedroom, and Ava screamed. In the abandoned subway tunnel, Addison's shadow stretched away from front of her, bumping and rippling as it fell across the tracks. She tried not to look too closely at the trash or puddles of filthy water, silently begging the dark shapes not to move and reveal themselves to be rats. On the edge of the platform, all the aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters-to-be had gathered, cloaked in black crepe indistinguishable from their shadows creeping up the brick behind them and out onto the low ceiling. She wished Ava were with her. Her cold hand clutching at Addison's, her shivers of fear, they'd stop Addison thinking about the sick knot in her own gut. The brief shorts and tank top pajamas Ava had picked out made it worse. Everyone was looking, seeing all the things about her body that she hadn't wanted. 
She wanted them to look at her, admire her, but not these parts of her. She wanted everyone to see how she was just like Dad. Her shadow shrank and warped as it fell on the rickety metal steps that led up to the machine. A whimper caught her ear. Addison looked up. Ava. They tied her with rubber hoses to a set of bars that hung over a concave drain. Her summer pajamas were sleep rumpled. Her long hair spilled in tangled loops over her shoulder. She was struggling against the bonds, her eyes as wild as a prey animal's, skimming the tunnel in circles as if she didn't know what she should fear the most. Then her eyes fell on Addison. For a moment, they registered relief. Addison's gut turned upside down. No. No. She couldn't do this. Don't worry, Dad said, rubbing the back of her neck with his big, calloused hands. You two are soul twins. The fact that you have two bodies is a mistake. The machine will make you whole, turn you into one person again, like the one meant you to be. Addison took a clanking step up onto the machine, clutching the knife that had given her to her gut. Ava's eyes fell to him. Please, don't. Just remember that you love her as much as you love yourself. If you keep that in your head as you perform the bonding, she won't die. She'll become part of you. Then you can begin training. Together, you'll be Aikumi, just like me. Addison took a quick glance behind her. Dad, a patch of darker darkness behind the blinding LED flashlight in his hand, inclined his head. Before her, silent tears trickled down Ava's face. A flush of something washed through Addison, but it wasn't the right feeling. She didn't feel joyful or full of love. She felt sick. Stop it. Stop crying. Ava knew what was going to happen. She'd always wanted to be Ike Me too. She was just scared. She was always scared. Her hand shook from clenching the handle of the knife too tightly. Why did Ava have to be like this? She didn't want Ava, cowering, cringing, girly Ava, inside her. How was she supposed to do this right? To feel that she loved Ava as much as she loved herself when she hated everything Ava was. Ava ruined everything. The light from Dad's flashlight moved, and Addison's shadow fell on Ava, covering her precisely. The machine, rubber tubes and metal grates all coated with the brown powder of dried blood, rumbled, hungry. Ava shook her head, her tears invisible in the shadow, only the edge of her hair and the rim of her cheek catching the light and glowing with a crescent moon. Please. Addison raised her knife. She didn't love Ava. She wanted her to go away. She never wanted to look into Ava's face and see everything she hated about herself again. The machine screamed like a wolverine caught in a trap. She struck.
blood. Dixon woke up, blood coating his ceiling, dripping down the walls. Blood was sticky in his mouth and hot on his cheeks. And then it was gone. The blood was only the shadows in this dim room. Ava controlled the shadows. Puffing out air from between his lips, Dixon tried to slow his wildly pounding pulse and threaded his fingers through his short hair. Good morning to you too, he said, greeting the presence he knew would kill him soon. His voice slow and sleep rough. <laughs> Morning ashfall kept the traffic on the street light. Right after the one had blown up, the fragments of god and relic dust that fell from the sky had been powerful. Now it just snowed ash most mornings. Hardly a speck of real relic to be found anywhere. Dixon settled his trilby low in his ears and wrapped a silk scarf around his mouth and nose to sift the particles out of the air. The light, diffused by falling ash flake, made most shadows weak. But it didn't make a difference to Ava. I like her hat. A passing lady in a wide soup of a hat, ash collecting on the fake ostrich plume that adorned it, gave Dixon a suspicious glare. Hurried on. Really? It makes a good shape. On the pale ash drift behind the lady, even in the dim light, the faint outline of a wide-brimmed hat was visible. Dixon snorted, imagining himself in the hat so Ava could have a good-looking shadow. I'm never wearing it, so too bad. You don't have to wear it. Just get me one and bloodbind it. Then I can wear it whenever. What? No way! I'm not wasting your blood on fashion. It's almost like you care. Dix flinched at her tone, but bent his head and didn't react. He'd gotten used to the idea that she would kill him one day. The heat of her blood pumping out of her chest coating his hands and slicking down his forearms as it gathered in the clanking pipes of the machine was a memory never far from his mind. Fair was fair. The dust bar was a low, dim space, beams stained in a dark rainbow. In the back, Cousin Jace puffed knockoff relic dust, the hookah hose loose in his mouth. His eyes rolled back in his head. Dixon slid into the seat opposite. Jace offered him the second hose, but he shook his head. What you got for me? Odunk stuff. Jace pushed a folded slip of paper across the table. Dixon glanced at the address, photo, and cash amount, and put the paper in his pocket. Jace handled contracts for the Ikebee. He'd pass Dixon a bid if he paid too little for a real Ikebee to bother with. Taking a cut, of course. When he'd offered the deal, Dix had been sure it was a trap. In a way, it was. It kept him bound to Dad, eating his scraps. He'd broken away as far as he could. He didn't know how to cut ties entirely. Dad's been asking about you. Dix flinched. Well, why? Jace shrugged. Dunno. Talked you up, though. Said you was off the black market tea, doing good. Handling the tracks just fine. Dix pressed his lips together. It wasn't the tea. But Jace knew that. Dad knew that. They were kids. They were a pair. Jace shook his head. Becoming Aichmi is a gift of the one. You took that away from them. Dix unhooked the second hose from the hookah and puffed dust. It coated his tongue, 
acrid and overcooked, but the nerves prickling his skin calmed down. He didn't want to think about that night. He didn't want to think about the way Dix and his brothers had flooded the kitchen floor with the babysitter's blood, their shadows and knives dripping a trail up the stairs. About the kids, cowering in that pretty room that glittered with mage stars on the ceiling and walls. They were a pair of soul twins. One soul, two bodies. They clutched at each other, terrified, begging, tears glistening on their cheeks, like Ava on the machine. No, not again. He lost control. Early the next morning, he dumped his brother's bodies in the river. A week later, Ava spoke to him for the first time since he'd murdered her. Jace turned away for a refill, and a shadow turned with him. The silhouette of his profile became marked on the worn vinyl. Dix studied it. Was the nose a little more aquiline than Jace's? Did the shadow have more days of growth on its cheeks? Jace, do you ever talk to Jeremiah? Jace's body flexed like a bent blade coming back to church. Who? His shadow followed his movement a moment too late. The name resolved, and Jace's eyes went wide. Then he scowled. Of course not. That's, that's weird. Jer is just another name for me. I was in two bodies for a while, and now I'm not. He was never a different person. A gentle brush of fingers up the back of Dix's neck petted the buzzed hair the wrong way. Never a different person. What a nitwit. Jace eyed him with suspicious concern. Your shadow's not talking to you, is it? Maybe you should see that about that. Of course my shadow's not talking to me. That sounds like a bad trip. Still, if you haven't issues. Jace made loops with his fingers in a crazy gesture. Maybe you should get a checkup anyway. That'd be totally chill if it turned out that all the mess is just because you're schizophrenic or something. Yeah, sure he would. Dick stood up. Dad didn't like messes. The fact that he hadn't cleaned Dick's up already felt like a warning. The brown recluse had made a nest inside his hat. I'm out. See you, Jace. Jace flipped him off as a goodbye, bent back in for another puff of dust. Behind him, the shadow didn't move, as if whoever cast it was still staring right at Dix. Two spots of light hovered in it, just where eyes would be. As Dixon watched, they blinked. Dixon had been high out of his mind on Relic Dust the first time Ava spoke to him. It was the good stuff, probably less than 0.01%. It had been cut with some nasty garbage, but still, even the tiniest bit of real Relic Dust knocked you off your ass. When Ava stepped out of the shadows, all grown up, tall and curvy and fucking hot, really, which was not a thought you were supposed to have about your long-dead soul twin, or anyone you'd murdered, but he'd been super high and couldn't be held responsible for the uncomfortable feeling in his pants. He thought he'd been hallucinating. Maybe he was. But when it was legit relic dust, 
hallucinations had an unsettling tendency to turn out to be real. She looked at him, lying half-naked on a dirty mattress in some flophouse, and her disapproval had walked across his chest in the shape of a mauve elephant. She asked him why he'd stopped his brothers from taking those kids. He hadn't had an answer. He still didn't. He'd cried. When Ava spoke to him again a few days later while he was stone-cold sober, he'd been so surprised he tripped over a curb and nearly threw himself into oncoming traffic. She'd laughed. Don't worry, Dixon. The sneer at his new name made his stomach warp. I won't let anything kill you but me. Strangely, the promise made him feel relieved. He'd hoped she'd stick around until she decided it was time to get her revenge. He wouldn't admit it out loud, but he'd really missed her. Back in his apartment, Dixon opened the case and set about assembling the sniper rifle. He clicked the scope into place and Ava purred. Pretty. Is it for me? You know it is. A real Ikemi wouldn't be caught dead using a sniper rifle. Ikemi were highly sought after assassins because their weapons were undetectable. They specialized in unthreatening mundanity. Unsuspected, they would get close to their target in a supposedly secure space and finish them with a knife or a silenced pistol at point-blank range. But when Dix had been scoping out the lobby of the apartment building where his target lived, something, a shift in the darkness, a footfall where one shouldn't be, made him suspicious. He figured it was time to embrace the fact that he wasn't the real Ikemi anymore. Dix selected one of the vials of Ava's blood and kept in specially made pockets inside his coat. He uncapped it and poured the viscous fluid over the rifle. Then he slicked the blood over the metal with his bare hands, smearing it into every nook and cranny. Room temperature blood was viscous and sickening, but something the machine did to it stopped it from going off, so it just smelled of iron, not a rot of decay. He lay the rifle down on the tarp and stood with the light behind him. He focused, readying to reach out with the shadow. But before he had even sent out a feeler, his shadow slid across the tarp to the gun. The blood sucked into the metal. The gun disappeared. The shape of the long barrel appeared over Ava's shoulder. Oh, I like this. With a click, the shadow of the barrel disappeared, and something hard nudged Dixon in the stomach. Not really made for close range. Still, I have plenty of others for that. Ava? Dixon tried not to breathe too deeply and jar the muzzle of the gun in his gut. He disappeared with a metallic ringing, and Dixon breathed again. He turned to grab the paper with their target's name on it. As he rose, something cool, metal, and very sharp tickled the back of his head. Bent over, hand on the seat of the chair, he stilled. Remember this one. It was our first. The grip had been rough in his hand, but he'd felt the blade like it was a part of him. Like he could feel what it felt. Ava's skin splitting at the touch, the scent of iron, the sudden plunge and hiss as he found the space of her lung. The way she hadn't screamed. He had thought killing her would take away everything he hated about himself. But when she was dead, he only hated himself more. 
The knife blade was replaced by fingers, petting his hair. During the winter, the rooftop pool and cabana bar were closed. The roof was glassed in to keep it clear during ashfall, but a latch in the corner led outside so his maintenance could sweep off the glass. Jimmying opened the lock, Dix climbed out through the hatch and walked along the narrow ledge until he spotted his target's apartment building opposite. You good to set up here? Hmm. He settled, letting his legs hang over the ledge and listened to Ava opening the tripod and adjusting his scope. Ava really shouldn't be able to do all that on her own. But even before she'd spoken to him, he'd never really felt like he controlled her the way other Ikemi controlled their shadows. When he'd murdered her, he'd coated his hands and feet in her blood, using what remained on the surface of the drain as the rest of it collected inside the machine, just as Dad had instructed. He'd sliced open the arteries in her feet to make sure she was dry. He'd need her blood to bond weapons to the shadows for her to wield. That was the normal way of becoming Ikemi. Bond your pair's shadow, hand to hand, and foot to foot, so that it became an extension of your body. Its movements responded to your own, like a whirling puppet, or the wind-whipped arch of a short-string kite. The shadow wasn't independent. Using a shadow weapon with a scope should be impossible. The handler could not look through his shadow's eyes, and his shadow shouldn't be able to look alone. Ava was special. You've got him? <laughs> sure. Take a look. Dix felt a tug at his hair, and his vision went unfocused. He shut one eye, and could see through the scope. There was the man, pudgy and pallid, dancing around his luxurious apartment in his underwear. He was some corporate wizard, using a relic to manipulate the market and score big in stocks. Dix's bid had come from a small group of investors who had lost everything to his games. They hadn't been able to wrestle up enough cash to tempt Dad, but Dix had lower standards. Take the shot when you're ready. You're not gonna get all guilty about this one. <laughs> no. There he is! Fuck. Over the edge of the glass roof, a line of black-clad, red-blindfolded men arose. Psych ninjas, each with nine seconds of precognition. Ava! Dix dove to the side to avoid the blast of shuriken, tumbled off the edge of the building, hooked the edge like a cat, swung flat and dropped to the ledge a few feet below. Two ninjas on repelling lines, plunged down on either side of him. Long, viciously sharp swords swung. He leapt out of their path, kicking off a windowsill and hauling himself up and away as they continued to fall. A foot swung hard at his face. He bobbed to the side and grabbed the foot, dragging the third ninja off the roof and throwing him off the building. With a snicket, the ninja's repelling line was severed. Tinny's scream as he fell a hundred stories to the street below was quickly drowned out by honking traffic. Dixon scrambled back onto the roof. More ninjas leapt for him, one going high, the other low. Dixon jumped the low one, and, with an ugly crunch, Ava skewered the high one. The one Dix had jumped rose up. Dixon planted his foot in his chest, but the ninja grabbed Dix's leg and twisted. Something popped in his knee, and Dix screamed. The ninja swung him, hurling him to the log plump that had killed his companion. This was it. And then the ninja abruptly released his grip. 
a knife wound opening up in his neck. An invisible hand grabbed Dix's and hauled him back onto the roof. It dropped him, safe, and he struggled around to face the final ninja. Then came a soft boom, the distant sound of shattering glass, and a faint scream from across the way signaled the demise of the corporate wizard. The one remaining ninja swore, grimaced at whatever nine-second future he saw, and booked it away over the glass roof. The threat was gone. Neva had saved him. Dix slumped down onto the ledge and dragged his aching legs in. He wasn't sure if the hip or the knee had gotten the worst of it, but it hurt like a motherfucker. Fuck the one. A soft growl caught his ear, and he looked up. At the corner of the hotel, a figure stood on the ledge. Leather jacket, wind-blown chin-length hair, and a giant-ass lioness at her side. Lee. Oh, great. He must have looked so cool, getting grabbed and screaming and nearly dying like that. Here to watch me get my ass beat? Didn't feel like lending a hand or a paw? Lee strode along the edge toward him, followed by her lion form, Furia. She grinned, hands in the pockets of her jacket. You seem to have it in hand. I always love to watch you fight. Dix grimaced. She figured out he was like me by watching him fight. Having a collector, one of the religious fanatics who wanted to reunite all the relics of the one and bring him back, know he was like me was not something he'd wanted. But Lee was pretty great. The lioness was a Therian, a soul beast. When people touched a relic of the one, they got what they deserved. Most ended up a heap of dust. But Lee, Lee, bruised from scrapping, wearing leather like it was uniform, shooting relic smoked whiskey like lemonade, got a Therian. Only seriously good people get a Therian. He'd hardly been able to believe it when a bunch of gutter wizards jumped her and a lion had exploded outward from her chest. A real fucking lion, long and lithe and beautiful. It tore a throat out of one of the gutter wizards. The others ran like they'd seen the one's backside. It was mind-blowing, and also disgustingly hot. Dix figured if he had to trust the Collector, trusting Lee was his best bet. He wasn't someone you wanted dead, was he? Dixon tipped his head at the apartment building. He shrugged, as if it didn't matter either way to her. I've got a team going in to look for the relic he was using. Thanks for clearing the way. Dixon made a face. I didn't do it to help you. Lee put up her hands in a fake apology. So you haven't changed your mind? Dixon frowned. No. He shouldn't have told her that the machine was powered by a relic of the One. Collectors hated relic tech, said it was sacrilege, and destroyed it wherever they found it. But though he told her the machine existed, he hadn't told her where it was yet. He was on the fence. If she destroyed it, no one would have to kill their soul twin ever again, but the thought of what Dad would do to them if it went wrong made him too sick and terrified to risk it. The lioness nosed into his shoulder, and he absently scratched her warm head, marveling at how real she felt, and she was just a part of Lee's soul. But then, Ava was a part of his, and even if she never felt as real as this, the carnage she left behind her was undeniable. Okay. 
Lee gave him a hand up. I really do love watching you fight. Your shadow, it moves like it has a mind of its own. You were fighting for your life, and it still made the shot. <laughs> the lioness seemed to hear it and cocked her head, moving past Dick's to sniff at the place Ava might be, and rubbed against her. Aww. Lee moved into Dix's personal space and ran her thumbs over his cheeks. You have some free time? Mm-hmm. He leaned into the warmth from her body. The wizard was dead, and Ava sounded happy. This was as good as his life got. Guess my shift just got over. As much as Dix liked how tough Lee was, he liked the way she melted under him just as much. She trusted him enough to let go. She held the bars of the bed frame above her head, wrapped her legs around his hips, let him fuck her. Even when he'd still worn a binder, even when he'd still had visible scars, she hadn't hesitated, mouthing along his stubby jaw, pulling him on top of her, her hands following the shapes of his hard-won muscles. Flicking his abs to test their resilience. No wonder he'd spilled his guts to her. The only thing he hadn't told her about, besides the location of the machine, was Ava. Lee made a soft sound. Her body unfurling, blissed out from coming under him. Dix's leg ached. He was wiped. So though he was still aroused, a break was sounding better than getting off at the moment. Gently, he drew out. Lee whimpered a protest. Her heels tugging at the back of his thighs. I want to fuck her too. Startled, Dick sat up sharply, twisting out of Lee's hold. What the fuck, Ava? Why are you here while I'm getting laid? I'm always here. She's pretty. You're tired. Your legs hurt. I want to try. She was always here? She'd been getting stronger and stronger, too. More physical, more independent. Dix didn't care if she killed him, he deserved it, but letting her near Lee was a risk he wasn't sure he wanted to take. You can't fuck her, you're a shadow! You made me this way. With the growl, the shadow on the wall changed. It didn't match his anymore. It was curved in the wrong places, feminine, and there was the shape of a gun in its hand. The safety came off with a click. You owe me, Ava. He put up his hands, but he couldn't touch her. How could he stop her? Her shadow bent, shifted, moving over where the turned swivel head of the bedside lamp cast Lee's shape on the wall, the gun shape tracing down the shadow of Lee's belly. Lee stretched. Skulls. I could fuck her with this. The silhouette of the gun flashed on the wall. Or I could fuck her with that. A zing and jolt. The gun, solid in the way Ava was not, knocked against Dixon's cock jarring it, jarring him. You don't have one. He heard the expected reply in his head. Neither do you. But that wasn't what Ava said. Give it to me. What? It's a weapon, isn't it? <laughs> Ava's laughter was a different kind of mocking than he'd expected. That's what guys like you call your dicks. Blood bind it to me, like you do all your other weapons. That... That won't work. I'll stop asking for a fancy hat. 
it felt wrong. It felt like something Dad would have forbidden him from doing if he'd ever thought of it. That made it tempting. And maybe if he gave Ava this, she wouldn't hurt Lee. Dixon took one of the vials out of his coat. Ava's blood. He didn't like using it unnecessarily. A superstitious feeling that when he ran out, he'd have run out of Ava in some important way. But this... Ava wanted it. He doused his cock in it, slathering the blood all over, smearing it over the skin of his hips as he made sure to coat all the straps. Then he looked to where Ava's shadow fell on the wall. Well, pick it up. As Ava approached, the shadow slid down the wall, pooling around his feet. Like a cold breeze across his skin, Ava stepped inside it. For a moment, the chill seemed to extend through the cock, sensitizing it like it was a part of his body. Abruptly, the blood sucked into the silicon surface, and then the cock was gone, straps and all. Fuck. Ava's shadow sprang back onto the wall, bent, cupping her hips. Fuck, Dix. The groan words were followed by a laugh. Ava's laugh. Dix, you really overcompensated when you picked your name. Dix narrowed his eyes. Shut up. Ava turned, her shadow in profile, the cock standing out hard and proud. Ava's hand reached down, clasping it, and Dix gasped. <gasps> he could feel that. Shocks through his groin, an icy throb against his palm. He could feel Ava's hand on her cock like he had one. Like her hand was on it. Like her hand was his. Ava's shadow moved, finding leaves on the wall, taking her knees and spreading them apart. He made a soft sound. I'm going to take her. Ava, hold on. Dix climbed back onto the bed and cupped Lee's cheek. Lee. Lee, babe. Lee. Is it alright if my shadow fucks you? What? Your shadow? Fuck. It's hot. Sure. Cool. Cool. This all felt like such a terrible idea. But they were riding the tiger. Lee blinked up at him. Dark eyes lazy. She was blown. Dix leaned down and kissed her. Her name's Ava. If you, you know, want to tell her she's doing good. Hey! Lee's brow furrowed as if what he said didn't make any sense. Then her head fell back, a lazy smile opening mm. up her face. My lion's name is Nikki. If you want to coo it at her while petting her, like you do. Dix laughed, high pitched with nerves. <laughs> awesome. You didn't have to tell her my name. You don't get to fuck someone without taking responsibility for it. Dix slid off the bed. Ava had always bossed him around when they were kids, but he was more experienced in the situation. It was his turn. Don't worry. I've got you. I'm fine. I don't need your help. Her shadow moved on the wall, over the bed, guiding herself into position. It stilled, momentarily uncertain, and then, like a snake, struck. Pressure. Heat. Warmth. Dix buckled over, grabbing his belly with both hands. She was in. Oh. 
maybe Dix hadn't totally fucked up. But on second thought, being kidnapped and dumped nearly naked and helpless in a room deep underground suggested the opposite. Jace said you'd been talking to your shadow, then the sight ninja who made it back said you don't fight like other Ikemi. He said it was like your shadow has a mind of its own. She does, Dix thought. He wished Ava had said it, but she was silent. So it was Dad who'd sent the sight ninjas after him. Some kind of test? I'm not crazy. I know. Dad crouched down and put his hand on Dix's bare shoulder, squeezing it comfortingly. I've been there too. Dix sat up straight. What? Where do you think I got this scar? He patted his marred cheek. Your shadow gave it to you? Who else could get close enough? Dad grinned his double grin at Dix. Sometimes, with special people like us, our shadows don't integrate properly. The others, they fall for the bullshit about union togetherness. They're good, Ikemi, but they'll never be great. They have enough power to manipulate their shadows, but we don't have to manipulate. We can command. Command? Dix almost scoffed aloud, as if Ava would listen to his commands. He frowned. What makes us different? Just one thing. I hated my soul twin when I killed him. And I could see the hate in your face when you killed yours, too. It hit like a punch to the gut. Dad was right. Addison's rage, frustration, guilt at Ava, at the situation, at the horror of what Dad was asking, they'd fucked the process up. Dix had never loved Ava enough. This was why all this had happened. He hadn't loved her enough. Once I figured it out, I had to bring you here before your shadow gained enough strength to kill you. You have such promise, Dix. I can see that now. You were meant to be my second-in-command. All you have to do to prove you deserve it is bend your shadow to your will. Break it, like I broke mine. Dad stepped back. From his feet, an inky black shadow began to emerge. It forced its way through the light, spreading out onto the floor until it was the size of a man. But it didn't have Dad's shape. Instead, it was a bound bundle, arms and legs roped together. Nausea clutched at Dixon's gut. Dad's shadow was a prisoner. The ropes unfurled. The shadow split into four, rising up each glowing wall. It raised its arms and began to dance like a monkey. Dixon's stomach curled back in on itself, forcing its contents up into his throat. Every motion the shadow made was directed, safer on the head. A bright triangle, where the mouth should be, opened and closed, forming shapes of pain and desperation. He was screaming. Dad bent over and took off his trilby, clasping Dix's shoulder once more. I want to give you the Ike Me, Dix. You are just like me. You are the best of my sons. Dix repressed a laughing sob. For so long, that had been all he'd ever wanted. It had been all Addison had ever wanted. To be like Dad. Once, as a kid, he'd dressed up in Dad's hat and overcoat. Ava laughed herself sick. He'd hated her then, hated how well she saw him, and how her seeing him made him look at himself 
and see someone only observed. You'll never look like Dad, he'd said. But now, staring into Dad's face, he was filled with joy. Thank the One. Thank the One he'd never look like Dad. Dad clapped the trilby down on Dix's head. It was warm, and the band felt sweaty on the neatly buzzed areas above his ear arches. Dix shut his eyes, and behind his back slowly curled his hands into fists. Even in the brightness of the training room, there would be shadows inside his fists. He nodded. I understand. And he did. He understood something he'd been confused by ever since Ava came back. He'd killed her. Why hadn't she taken her revenge? Inside one of his clenched fists, Dix felt a pressure, like the light stroke of a fingertip. He loosened his hand, and the pressure became the solidity of familiar knife's handle. I didn't, you know. Dix lifted up his chin and smiled a little, sadly, at Dad. Dad frowned back. Didn't what? I didn't hate Ava when I killed her. I hated myself. Dix lunged, shadow knife snaking out. Hot blood sprayed across his arm and chest. Dad jerked away. Dixon leapt up, bolting for the door. Duck. Dixon dropped, rolling under a shadow's clotheslining arm. Left. He juked. Jump. On the wall, he saw Ava's shape, her foot landing in the chest of one of Dad's shadows, her fist clocking the second in the face. The third was moving up behind her. Its physical form was intangible for Dix. How could he help? Go! Dixon ran. He ran straight into a shadow fist. This time, when Dix woke up, he could smell Ava. He could feel her, too. Her back pressed against his. Solid. Shadow cool. Dix tried to open his eyes, but a scratchy cloth held his eyelids down. Their wrists were bound up in pairs by rubber tubes. His shoulders ached from the weight of his body. Ava hung just behind him. No one was supposed to be able to bind a shadow, but Dad had done it to his. Apparently, he could do it to Ava, too. You're feeling very... solid. I think it's the relic. Ah. The metal poking into his thigh and the cold grating his toes brushed made sense now. They were tied to the machine. Nothing good ever happened when someone was tied to the machine. From its bowels came a low, discontented grumbling, like Nikki's nervous purr. Dix could smell the machine too, thick and foul, like gasoline and rubber. Wish I told Lee to come wreck this years ago. <laughs> you really are an idiot. Maybe true, but he'd done one thing right. You trusted me. She'd given him the knife, and she had no reason to believe he wouldn't take Dad up on his offer. You let me fuck your girlfriend. I figured I owed you. Ava nudged his elbow with her own. Even here, facing death or some more permanent destruction, the casual touch made Dix's heart ache. With a twitch from an unseen hand, the blindfold slipped down Dixon's face. The shadowy expanse of the subway tunnel stretched out in front of him. It was full of Ikemi in their black crepe, all waiting for blood. The metal stairs creaked under Dad's weight, his shadow a limp bundle dragged behind him. 
Dix had been a real jerk when he was a kid, I decided. Getting mad at Ava for being scared of this? Dad reached out and flicked a switch. The machine rumbled to life. Clanks and puffs of smoke emerged from it, and still, that low, wary grumbling underlay it all. As if the steps of the machine were his pulpit, Dad turned to face the other Aikmi, raising his hands, buoyed by their obedience, their worship. Dix knew what he would say. He always started his speeches the same way. Back when I was a boy, my best pal and I saw the one got blown up while ascending. Bits scattered all across the city. It rained God for days, and we were two of the blessed. We found a relic and discovered our future. With it, we built the machine, rejoined our severed souls, and became the first Ikemi. Being Ikemi is a gift the one bestowed to us. He turned, gesturing to Dix and giving him a fierce glare. But this boy and his shadow have disrespected that gift. They turned against their own. It is our right, no, it is our duty to give his soul back to the one. His shed blood will feed the machine and bring strength to all of us and honor us in the one's eye. Dix swallowed down the sick and shaky feeling in his stomach. Dad was going to bleed him dry. The clanking in the machine grew frenzied, as if it knew that a gush of blood was coming and was thrilled, ready to devour it. I'm sorry. Dix's eyes stung done this to Ava. He'd done this to Ava. We all fuck up. Some of us worse than others. <laughs> Love you. You too, asshole. Dad drew a long, ugly knife from his belt and raised it. His shadow rose up on the wall, a mirror of Dad, a mirrored knife poised above Ava's chest. For the one! A hoarse, huffing roar filled the tunnel. A lion's roar. The Aikmi startled, their shadows flattening against the wall. A flash of soul-shimmering gold came from the subway tracks. A lioness slipped out of the darkness. Nikki. She batted away a crisp robe with one paw and clamped her jaw on an Aikmi's shadow, ripping it to shreds. Lee, accompanied by a squad of collectors, hurled off their disguises and began to fight. The machine screamed. Dad roared and thrust his knife towards Dixon's chest. Dix hurled his legs around to twist his body, the blade only catching his side. Blood gushed from his body. Brace! Gasping in pain, Dix shoved his feet up against the side of the machine. Ava flexed against his back. He felt the thumb as she struck out. Dix twisted his head to glimpse Dad's shadow reeling back. Bonds on their wrists fell with him. He and Ava tumbled onto the grating. Dix's blood still flowing into the machine's growling maw. A long sear of metal sounded, and Ava pressed the hilt of what felt like a sword into his hand. Don't die. I'm going after Dad. Right. Dix clutched his left arm like a pigeon wing against his wound, scrambling to his feet and leapt from the machine, swinging the shadow sword at the nearest Ikemi. Ava plunged through the crowd, visible only by the current of her progress. Dad had fled along the platform, and was leaping into the subway tracks, running away. Ava's shadow streaked across him, and then he was flying up, back onto the platform. Then, Dad buckled, head thrown back. As Dix fought for his life, she hauled him back towards the machine. 
Eichny too afraid of striking Dad to try and stop her. She dragged him up the steps and threw him onto the grate. The machine gave a rattling metallic growl. It pulsed, light spilling from the main casing. It sounded like it was going to blow. How do you like it? How do you feel about being sacrificed? <laughs> At least I'll offer you to the one. Not use my life and blood to fuel your ego and fill your bank account. This was wrong. Ava couldn't kill him. Not on the machine, so near the relic of the one. Lee was right. Relic tech was a perversion. Blasphemy. Dix had lost all chance of the one's grace by murdering Ava. But he had to stop Ava from losing it too. Ava! Get away from the machine! But she was too focused on her vengeance against Dad to hear him. A blow from a shadow struck Dix in the face. Gunshots echoed through the tunnel. A cry. Fuck! Lee's voice. Dix cut apart the shadow in front of him. He spotted Lee, doubled over, her lioness a ball of bright fury in front of her. Lee, clutching her shoulder, caught his eye. Break the machine! Get the relic! Fuck the machine. He needed to stop Ava. Dix ran towards the machine, leaping up the steps. Shadows rose up in front of him. He cut through it. Ava was almost solid, a dark shape pinning Dad to the grate. A knife? The knife. Their knife in her hand. No! Ava! Don't! Don't do what I did! Don't! The machine screamed again, piercing his ears, making him fall to his knees in pain. Dix could feel its power, its hunger, like a physical force. He dropped his sword, crawling across the grates towards Ava. He reached out and grabbed her, holding back her knife hand. She fought him, struggling like an eel in his arms, crashing against him. He did this! He did this to all of us! He did! He did, but you're not him! You're not like him! He should get what he deserves. It was a shadow voice, deep and rough, pounding straight past Dix's ears and into his brain, but it wasn't Ava's. Dad's shadow unfurled from his bonds, cutting a sharp silhouette against the groaning and rattling machine. He flickered through its tubes and pipes and reached the main casing, which pulsed, the crack between the two parts glowing so bright it left the red lines across Dix's vision. Dad's shadow wrenched off the top. There, suspending in a tube of oozing, coagulated blood, hung the relic. A finger bone of the one. Nikki cried out, not a roar, but a fierce, panicked, cat-like wail. Dix clutched Ava even more firmly to his chest. The one gave you what you deserved. She stilled, and Dix knew they agreed on what to do. He released her, and they both grabbed Dad by his shoulder, hoisting him up. He fought, kicking out. Traitor! Ungrateful child! Nikki stood at the base of the machine, and no shadows nor bodies dared to cross her to come to his aid. Dad's shadow stood behind the casing, still holding the lid up. Dad focused on it. You, you cringing little coward, this will destroy you too. It will destroy all the Eichmi. The machine brings us power, just like we wanted, and we've had that, haven't we? We've had power. Ava, I don't want you to disappear. It's okay, Dix. Dix's heart broke for her. This is the right way. With tears running down his face, Dixon helped Ava drag Dad nearer to the relic. He'd stopped yelling and was only struggling now, panic in every movement of his body. 
They pushed through loops of hanging rubber hose and reached the casing. Dix stared down at the bone, which pulsed and crackled with energy. Dix didn't know how it would work, but one half of his soul was his, corrupt and dirty and broken. And the other was Avis, who never had a chance to make his mistakes. He should be destroyed, and she deserved better. She deserved a life. He'd done his best to live true to himself, after finally understanding all the harm he'd done as a child. Maybe it was enough for him and Ava to rejoin. Maybe, this time, without the machine as intermediary, the one would heal them and give Ava a chance to be the one in charge. Just because they were different people didn't mean they had more than one soul. Dad had stopped struggling, but he was frozen stiff. He wouldn't touch the relic of his own accord. They had to do it for him. Making sure Dad was secure in one arm, Dixon reached with his other hand towards the relic, which pulsed and crackled with energy. A matching shadow hand paired with his, a lightless twin hovering over the violent brightness. Dix squinted in Ava's direction. It will probably destroy me. If you aren't touching us, maybe it won't destroy you. Not a chance. You don't get to do this alone. As one, they stretched their hands into the tub. Dix's fingers started to tingle, then burn, the energy pulsing inside his flesh. He grit his teeth and pressed on. As they clasped it, cool and strangely clean for being surrounded by that bloody ooze, the finger bone exploded. A white layer of ash coated the whole tunnel. The platform, the tracks, the scattered parts of the machine. Collectors were slowly scraping themselves and their wounded fellows up. Ikemi. Only they weren't Ikemi anymore. Shadowless, shaking and gibbering, searching for their missing soul piece, took in the broken machine and the recovering collectors and decided to run. There was no sign of Dad or his shadow. Everything hurt. Dix groaned and slowly dragged himself up to sit against the wall. He'd been thrown ten yards by the explosion, all the way across the tunnel. He felt for the wound on his side, but his skin was whole, only a smear of blood across it. Everything else seemed Dix's standard, plus a rainbow of bruises coming out of his back and shoulders. I only have half of it. On the opposite platform, Lee was kneeling across from an unfamiliar woman, naked save for Lee's leather jacket. Nikki the lioness was standing guard. The strange woman had spoken, looking down at an object cupped in her hands. That's alright, just pop it in here. It won't explode again. Lee was holding out a bag, shimmery, like it was made of soul stuff. The woman dropped whatever she was holding into it, tensed, and then relaxed. Dix noticed that he was holding something also. He opened his hand. Half of the one's finger bone sat cupped in his palm. Ah. Wincing as each muscle moved, Dix dragged himself to his feet, adjusted his boxer briefs, and carefully climbed through the wreckage of the machine to the other side of the platform. As he trudged towards the women, he noticed familiar weapons scattered around. A knife, a pistol, a sniper rifle. 
another object that, well, didn't belong on a battlefield. He reached Lee. I've got the other half. The unfamiliar woman looked up at him. Dixon's breath caught. The woman smiled the lazy, wry smile he had heard in her voice so many times, but hadn't been able to see for so long. Hey, Dix. Hi, Ava. Thank you to C.M. DiGirolamo for their contribution to this episode, and to VXN, Kaz Volchev, Nicole Penrod, Bryce Dolly, Lucille Valentine, Ari Ryder, and J.M. Dow for their performances. Featured music was by Eric Matias, Blue Dot Sessions, Frankum, Small Coin, Blear Moon, and Hinterheim. Supporting audio production was by Ari Mathay. To learn more about our pieces, artists, and readers, please visit our website, monstersoutofthecloset.com. As always, our most sincere thanks to our supporting producers, Lindsay Holt, Lourdes Kaland, Sarah Lopez, Andy Hunter, and Matthew Morrison. And, of course, we couldn't do this without you, our monstrous listeners. Our next episode, Toys, will be released soon. But in the meantime, come play with us in the space at monstersoutofthecloset.tumblr.com and at pod underscore monsters on Twitter. Until next time, monsters out.